and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, and almost never talked about. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the UK, and with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Jonathan Oloyede. Born in Britain but bred in Nigeria, Dr. Oloyede is a medical doctor by profession and now serving as a full-time missionary and minister in England and Europe. He's founder and leader at City Chapel in East London, which among its many community outreach programs supports local health initiatives, including a man-to-man -man mentoring project. We're going to be speaking about the challenges that men in his community face regarding their health and how he is playing a key role in supporting them. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Claire. It's great to be here and great to at least be on this program meeting you by audio. Wonderful. We've got a lot to talk about, and, and particularly seeing that this is Black History Month, we really wanted to get a sense of you know, some of the issues that are facing the Black community in the UK, and so I really, really yeah. value your time. Let's start by chatting a little bit about your role as a leader in the Black community. You've clearly become a catalyst for men seeking access to both information on screening and treatment for many, many health conditions, including prostate cancer. How, how did this come about? Uh, thank you for that question, Claire. I'm, I've been very passionate about um, community initiatives for, for many, many years. Uh, way back in 1999, I pushed my church then. Um, where we were in, in Plasto in, in East London um, to do a health program. And I connected with a number of other organizations, including the local um, health hospital and the um, MPs and councillors. And I put on something called the Newham Health Day. Got the mayor involved. So it was open. Everybody had to come in to do their health checks. Oh. And it was very, very successful. Oh. And I ran that for two years because of we had the budget to be able to do that. And that was just an example of my passion um, to get people focusing on their health and living properly and living well. And so the advocacy for um, prostate cancer has come about recently because in my church, uh, we planted something called the New um, Food Bank. Uh -huh. uh, we've met so many people um, through that um, over the years. It's become an independent charity and we've handed it over to some other people now to run it. But the passion to get people focused on supported for their health, locally, locally speaking, and in their community, is something I've been uh, passionate about for, for many, many years. And you've had a significant response from members of your community? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, the, depending on what we do, we have different people um, coming forward. Um, we run a monthly program where we're encouraging men to go do their checkups, um, go um, check their blood pressure, um, check their prostates. And um, yeah, so it's something that I, I generally encourage people to do. We need to do more of it and we need to increase the awareness, but that's something that we're constantly pursuing. Yeah, I think we're going to come on to that. But, but before we do, I wanted to just explore a little bit about through these initiatives, have you seen evidence of health inequality in, in your community? And by that, I mean varying levels of access to, to diagnostics and treatment for cancer, for example. And, and what does that look like if you've seen it? Um, to be honest with you, inequality always comes down, into my opinion, in terms of expressive in terms of poverty. It also expresses itself in terms of access 
to either public or um, private healthcare. There are always horror stories of people um, not being able to have the funds to do certain things. Even the NHS, um, sometimes they're on very long waiting lists. And then people, if you have money and you had better access, you could go and pay for something or so, so some diagnosis um, quicker. One of my young men in the group in the community developed um, prostate cancer and was being pushed around. And um, because he did have some, degree, he had a good job and he had insurance, he opted to do something private mm-hmm. and he was able to get um, high foot treatment for his prostate. He was treated within days and he was given the cancer clearance, free clearance. Mm-hmm. And he came back very, 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 very angry. And he said to me, you know what, um, Pastor Jonathan, that's what he calls me, or mm-hmm. PJ, he said, I- I'm going to be spending the rest of my days getting black men aware of these treatments. No, they're not telling us that these things are, are available. Yeah. Nobody's telling yeah. us that these things are if, if I knew, I would have done this a um, long time ago, but I didn't know. I, did, I didn't know there was even anything called high for treatment, yeah. you know, and it gave me all the information about it. So these are some of the things that I can see are equalities because mm. there isn't much awareness um, that is being made available and money being spent equally sometimes on what I would call a black man's issue with prostate cancer compared something like breast cancer or cervical cancer. So, um, in fact, that was something I was going to ask you. Why, why do you think there isn't more being done to address the inequality of information dissemination and you know, compulsory checks in men for prostate cancer like there is for women with regard to both breast cancer and, and cervical cancer? How, how, how do you address this or how would you address this? I don't know why, but I suspect it all comes down to money. More, There's more money available for cervical cancer and um, breast cancer. And somebody needs to explain to me why um, the NHS doesn't make it compuls- compulsory for men at a particular age, 35, 40, to have their regular checks. And just like women would with regards to breast cancer. And that it will come down to money. It will come down to um, funds being made available. And I just don't understand why a number of black men have said it's because we are black, it's because it's our community, nobody cares about us. Um, that's the general feeling that um, men have and black men have sometimes. And I've oh. expressed that to me on, on, on several occasions. If they were um, female and white or if they were white men, you know, more awareness we made about what they're going through. That's what men have, have, have expressed to me. Wow. I mean, the thing that makes that even more important is that the figures for for prostate cancer now are that one in eight men will get it, but the burden is double for black men. It's one in four. What are your thoughts on this? And to what extent has has that information influenced or even penetrated the black community? I think this kind of information should be available at every clinic. You should be screaming at men. Um, they tell us that men um, find it difficult to go to the clinic or go and see the doctor. It's known. And so if there's a reluctance, there should be more effort being made um, to reach these men. There should be posters, there should be adverts, uh-huh. there should be more effort made by government and made by the NHS to uh-huh. reach in black men in particular with regards to prostate cancer, because like you rightly said, one in four men um, will get prostate cancer. And if that is a known stat, then I don't see any reason why 
much more is not, is, is not being done to reach us as black men. So are you open to formal or, or informal relationships with prostate cancer organizations, for example, charities or, or research institutions to, to bring this information and advice to your community? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're approached, if, uh, if people, if we're told um, how to access this, we bring um, professionals to our churches. We bring nurses, we bring doctors, we bring pro, um, financial advisors. Um, the way we do church is we do it as a community. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about really, um, religious stuff or um, teaching the Bible, but we also present practical stuff um, to help um, people with regards to their school, education, their health. So if we have organizations that want to engage with the black community and with churches, I definitely would love to get in touch with them. Or if they say they want to form a kind of informal partnership, I will introduce them to many churches. And if they, if they, if they have the right attitude and the right uh, personnel to connect with the black community, we would love, I would really, really love to do that. I'm very open wow. to do that. I mean, there's a, an open invitation and, um, you know, I think there's the, the making of uh, almost a campaign there because you're incredibly networked. I mean, not only you individually, but, but your church is very much part of a, of a network of churches, not only all over this country, but, but wider. Isn't that, is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I used to, um, in my community, I ran programs where I used to take um, black and white churches to stadiums. We would... F- have a stadium event of um, 15,000, 20,000 in this country. I even took um, the churches to Wembley. We had 30, 32,000 people at Wembley. We've got about um, 11,000 um, activists and people on our, on our mailing lists. Um, so we're widely networked, not, to the, not just to the black community, but to the Christian community at large. Um, yeah. So um, this is something I'm very, very passionate about and I'm open to engage with anyone who will have the same passion or communicate that they care. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the key things that the black community needs to be, to be shown that somebody cares and somebody is thinking about us that will go very long way. So how do you think communities like yours can, can help to reduce the health inequalities that you see? I think for my advocacy, that's why I'm on this program with you. I'm talking about it, making the necessary things aware and for us to create a platform for information dissemination. Mm-hmm. So we can be the churches, the black churches and black church leaders or majority church and black church leaders and communities can be platforms on which the trumpet of information can be blown. And if that is done, more people will hear and more people will be aware. And we would have less graphic or grave statistics of men dying from cancer or their families being devastated by um, discovering the cancer when it's too late. Yeah. I would say there's, a, there's an opening and there's a, an invitation for people to get involved with us and connect with us and promote this. I know one or two people who, like me, are advocates um, that want to make this happen and would talk on this on about this online, mm-hmm. um, but there needs to be more and there needs to be um, better partnerships where I put money where uh, our mouth is. Absolutely. We well, we'll certainly um, you know trying to help you do that, and I think hopefully this this conversation will continue as we we try to build those relationships. But, Thank you, Claire. Um, I I'd just like to say that it's been 
a real pleasure and a real honor to um, to speak with you today. And as I said, I hope we can continue the conversation and, and see some some partnerships and a real opportunity to work with your community and, and get black men much better access to care. Thank you. Black men's lives matter, just Absolutely. like everybody. But we feel that very, very much. And thank you for making this interview happen, Claire. A transcript of this interview is available on our website, where you can also access information and insight on living with prostate cancer. Thanks for listening. And from me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.